Happy Wednesday night to those in the house. Good Sunday morning to those online. It's so confusing. I love all of you. I'm so glad that you're a part of this worship service, y'all. I got a new shirt on tonight. I was feeling pretty good about it until I wore it past my wife at home. And Casey doesn't like it. She, uh, she says there's too much going on with it. This is what I live with, y'all. I mean, you know, this pandemic has apparently ruined her ability to be a, a good judge of men's fashion. I don't, I don't know how COVID-19 works. Uh, she said that it's too busy and that it, you may have to adjust your TV screens at home, so I don't know. It, look at the settings on your screen and see if there is like an epic fashion setting, and then you just put it right there, and it ought to be just about right. If you have migraine problems, I apologize in advance to you. No, uh, gosh, my wife is wonderful. Um, we've had some really good talks in the last four months, and honestly, um, We've had the same conversation several times over and over and over. I don't mean to get so heavy so quickly, but, but it's just the truth. Watching the news and just watching what seems to be the whole world on fire, and we just keep saying that, that we want to do something, that we want to make a difference, you know, somehow. And, and nothing against Woodburn. I mean, God loves this little town, but it's like, how, how do you do it from Woodburn? Uh, I, I mean, you know, how, how do we do it with, with one hand tied behind our back in the middle of a pandemic? I mean, we can't get within six feet of people. We can't travel. We can't even gather as a church. I mean, the church is locked down. We walk around with masks like ghosts, and it looks like evil just runs in the streets. And I don't understand that. I just don't really understand that. I, I want to just get out and tell somebody that God is love. I mean, I really want to get out and just tell the world that God is love, that, that, that Jesus died for sinners. I just want to let them know that there's forgiveness and that there's mercy in, in the presence of God. I want people to know that there's forgiveness and salvation. And it's, it's, just, so, it's just so frustrating for me. It's just so frustrating. And then, uh, l l let me just show you this, and, and th this, uh, this just wrecked me. I, this was July 1st, and this isn't like, you know, something I dug up. This is Twitter. It's July 1st. It's from the uh, Salt Lake City Police Department. Uh, this was after one of the big riots, and they posted a picture of this man here and simply said that they needed help. This individual assaulted officers, including striking one in the head with a baseball bat which caused serious injury. If you can identify him or know where he is, please call uh, Salt Lake City Police Department. This, this man uh, cracked a police officer's head open with a baseball bat. But, but, but that's, not, that's not the thing that I noticed. Uh, this is zooming in on that last picture you just saw. And when you zoom in on the picture, what does his shirt say? Can you read that? His shirt says, love is always the answer. You know, that's, that's demonic. I mean, to take love, to, to take love, the quality of love, the, the greatest of, of everything, as we're going to read tonight, to take love, to put that on your shirt, and then go out with a baseball bat and assault people. I mean, you understand, to crack somebody's head open, that there's something very evil uh, about that. And, and somehow, wear this shirt. Love is always the answer. I'm, I'm telling you, our world is so profoundly broken and so profoundly messed up. And I really want to make a difference. I, I really want to find something to do, but for the life of me, I don't know what to do. 
you know, we're locked down, we're, we're tied down, we're all masked up, we can't travel, we, 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 it seems like the church can't do anything. And, and that's why I want to bring you tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to remind you what the greatest power in all the world is, because the world doesn't know. The world doesn't know. But we know we're the people of God. We are the people of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is where we are. If you're following me uh, on, on Monday through Friday on Facebook Live with Tim with Tim, then you're with me, right with me in, in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians, and, and, and this is where we are. Paul's been talking to the church at Corinth, and he's been talking about uh, their wealth of spiritual gifts, uh, but there's one thing that they lack, and this is what he gets right to in 1 Corinthians 13. This chapter is so beautiful, and even people who've never gone to church probably have heard this chapter at a wedding. And in some ways, that's great, because you probably ought to read this at every wedding, you know, forever. But at the very same time, if you only think of this as a wedding passage, it's ruined for you, and I want to give it back to you tonight as, as words for your life. This is not just like for married people. This is a way of life for everyone who knows Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to start at the end of chapter 12 and go all the way to the beginning of chapter 14 so you can feel how this works in context. Paul wasn't just writing a pretty poem. He's writing to the church. He's trying to make them understand what matters, what's most important. At the end of chapter 12, he's been talking about spiritual gifts, and he says, now let me show you the most excellent way. And then chapter 13 begins. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient, kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Keeps no record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in tongues and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is, say it, love, love. Let love be your highest goal, chapter 14 says. You know, 
read it all my life in church. You have too, some of you. Several ways to read it. I, I've been told you could read it, and every time it says love, you could literally say Jesus. Because he's love. He's perfect love. And Jesus is patient and kind. It's not irritable. He keeps a record of wrongs. He doesn't rejoice about injustice. He never gives up, never loses. I mean, you could plug Jesus' name in there because Jesus, God, is love. I've also been taught that it's healthy to read it and try to put your name in there. It's like your name. Tim is patient, kind. It really doesn't work, to be honest. It doesn't work that well when you put my name in there. One day, uh, uh, some time ago, a, a charismatic friend came by church, and I, I, I loved this brother. Uh, he, he was um, very charismatic. Uh, just very different from me, but we had so much in common. And uh, he came by one day. He said, but Pastor Tim, you have time? I said, yeah, I got, I got time. Come on in. So he came in. He said, actually, I'm not really here just to talk. Uh, I feel like God has sent me here today. I said, really? You know, what is it? He said, well, I'm really awkward in this, but I just feel like God has sent me here today to um, give you a gift, give you something. So, you know, fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Um, he said, Pastor, I'll tell you the truth. I've been to your church several times, and I've, I've, I've seen you preach. I've heard you preach, and I've, I've seen the life of your church, and I'm so impressed. But, but God has revealed to me that there's one thing you lack. Okay, now I know he's not completely of God because I lack a whole lot more than one thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, you know, we're just going to talk about one thing. But no, he was very serious. He said, um, God has revealed to me, this is him speaking, God's revealed to me that, that he wants you to have a gift. And I don't really know how this will work, but I'm here to give it to you today. I said, well, brother, what is the gift? He said, God wants you to have healing power. Apparently, that's the one thing I lack. <laughs> I said, okay. Because honestly, if God wants me to have it, I want it. And if I had healing power, y'all, y'all know what I'd do? I mean, I would not be on, like, I wouldn't have a television, you know, ministry crusade. I wouldn't be, you know, knocking people out, you know, on the stage. I mean, I would, I would be in the hospital every day of my life, just room to room. I mean, you know, I mean, healing power would be amazing, you know, what, what could be done for the sick. And so, yes, yes. And so I said, what do we do? He said, well, um, why don't you just stand with your, with your palms up like this? And so I, I did. And, and he put his palms on top of mine, which, you know, we're guys. That was weird. But, but if God says do it, you know, I'm, we're, you know not really holding hands. And, and so I'm just standing here like this. And, and uh, you know, yes, Lord. I mean, yes, Lord. I just, and my friend began to pray. And, and we prayed for a long time. And then he said, now, you may begin to feel some heat. So I'm like, you know, because honestly, I, I mean, I'm not making a joke of this, y'all. I mean, if God wanted me to have that, I, I want that. And, and, and so I stood there the longest time with my hands out, and he had his hands on mine, and he prayed and prayed. And then he said, uh, are you feeling anything? I said, no, no. So, is, are your hands getting warm? <laughs> No. He said, I don't understand. 
I said, brother, I don't either, but it means the world to me that you would come by. To, I mean, you know, I mean, he was really embarrassed about that. Um, but he was also very obedient, and, and I loved that man for that, you know, to, just to come because he felt like that's what God wanted him to do. And I feel like in this moment, I, I feel like I want to do for you what he was trying to do for me, and, and that is I, I, I want to... I want to help you receive something, a gift, something that you might be lacking. And I know that that fits because this is exactly what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He's talking to the church at Corinth. Now, the church at Corinth, you would all love the church at Corinth. I mean, this is y'all's kind of church. The church at Corinth, their worship was on fire. I mean, they were amazing in worship. You would love it. Apparently, they had Every spiritual gift. I mean, Paul says every spiritual gift. I mean, they got spiritual gifts coming out their ears. I mean, gifts of tongues and gifts of healing and prophecy. I mean, men and women both prophesying in the, in the body. It's just amazing. It's beautiful. It's, it's just crazy how alive and spiritual this church is. Every spiritual gift. Worship just absolutely electric with the Spirit. These people have wisdom and, and knowledge, and they're proud of their wisdom. They're proud of their knowledge. And Paul continues to explain, yes, you have wisdom. Yes, you have knowledge. You have every spiritual gift, but there's one thing you lack. The church at Corinth couldn't get along. Like not with the world, but not even with each other. That They didn't know how to treat people. They didn't know how to act with people. They were divided in as many ways as a congregation could be divided. They, they were divided by rich and poor. The Lord's Supper would become an opportunity for a giant potluck, which sounds, you know, like you'd love that. But the potluck was a disaster because all the rich people came in with their fancy Tupperware you know, and all their fancy casseroles that they made. And, you know, they brought in all their big bowls, but they would come early. Because, you know, sometimes at a potluck, you don't like to eat if you don't know where it came from. Because the poor people all would come, you know, rolling in later after they got off work at the factory. And they would swing by, you know, White Castle and bring in like a dozen of those, you know, sewer bombs. And, you know, so the rich people think, let's just come early and eat. And that's what they would do. So then when the poor people arrived at the potluck, they're just humiliated because they're just standing there with, with, with what they brought, which was just all that they had, and the rich people have already eaten and gone home. I mean, I'm not making any of this up. That was what you call the Lord's Supper at Corinth if you add a little bit of drunkenness. I'm not making any of that up. It's the church. All these spiritual gifts I mean, just the spirit, electric with the spirit and wisdom and knowledge, but they don't have love. And so Paul has been talking about in chapters 11 and 12, talking about their worship and talking about their spiritual gifts. And in all of this language about gifts, he gets to the end of chapter 12 and he says, now, let me show you the most excellent way. Just a, 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 seriously, just a couple of things I, I, I just want us to agree on today. First off, for Christians, um, a lot of things matter, but love matters most. A lot of things matter for us. Meeting together matters for us. And those of you in this room, God bless you. I, I know you've gone through a lot to be here. 
and, and you're suffocating in mask right now while I spit on you. I mean, it's, you know, God bless all of you. Um, meeting together matters. Don't forsake meeting together, Paul says. I mean, it, it's important that we worship together. And, and this amazing giving report, I mean, that's just, I, praise God for that. I mean, this church is so faithful in giving. And other churches depend upon us. We're church planting church, and there are church plants now that depend upon us, and they're hurting. And I'm proud of the fact that you give the way you do. I mean, a a lot of things matter for us. Church planting matters to us. I mean, missions matters to us. I mean, the missionaries, and we had two in last night giving a report from their work on the other side of the globe, and they're in a dangerous place, and they're doing amazing work. And, And that really, really matters. It really matters. That there's so many things that, that, that we would say matter a, a lot, but you have to understand that love matters most. Like all of that that we could possibly do, you add it all up, and it, it amounts to nothing if we don't have love. We have to love each other. We have to love God, of course, but we have to love people. We have to love. And we often don't. And this pandemic, this lockdown, this, this time that we're in, it's not bringing out the best in some of us. I mean, we're live on Facebook right now, and when we're not on live on Facebook, I, I see your Facebook, and some of you on Facebook, you're a person I don't even recognize. Like, what's happening to you in four months? Did you get hit in the head? I, I mean, what, well, what is up? I mean, there's so much hate, and, and it's coming out of church people. I mean, so much hatred and, and so much scolding. And, and, and my goodness, how in the world can we spew so much hate and then say that we're following a God of love? Do you understand? For Christians, a lot of things matter, but love matters most. We become ridiculous in the world preaching a God of love when we ourselves do not have love. There are a lot of things that matter for us, but I'm telling you, love matters most. So that's why Paul says, if I could speak all the languages of heaven and earth, men and angels, remember, the the church at Corinth, man, they speak in tongues, and they're proud of that. They think everybody ought to speak in tongues, and Paul says, you know what, I I speak in tongues more than all of you people put together, but you want to know something? If I could speak in all the languages of angels and people, but I don't have love in my heart, I'm just like a gang, a, a, a gong, a, a clanging cymbal. I'm just noise. It, it's all just noise. And if I had all wisdom, remember, they love their wisdom. They, they love their enlightenment. But Paul says, if I had all wisdom and all knowledge, I had faith to move mountains. I mean, that would, that would be awesome. Faith to move mountains. But Paul says, I have all of that and no love, zero. Zero. And what if I died a martyr's death, sacrificed my body to the flames, but didn't have love in my heart? It's worth zero. Do you understand his mathematics here? Anything you can name without love equals zero. Zero. All of your good deeds, all of your good grades, all of your money, all of your nice clothes, all your devices, all of your leisure time. You understand? All of it, all of it. If you don't have love, it's nothing. Nothing. And what you must understand and be honest enough to admit is most of us don't have love. Pastor Tim, I don't know how you can say that. Well, 
Can I return you to what the scripture says? Verse 4. Love is patient, kind. Love is not jealous. Any of you dropped out yet? I mean, if I just went through these, if we all stood up, you know, and then I had you sit down when, when I named something that you don't got, you know, would anybody still be standing yet? Some of you I would have lost at, you know, patient, kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, not rude. Love doesn't demand its own way. Go ahead, dude, sit down right there. I mean, just. It's not irritable. Keeps no record of being wronged. Doesn't keep score. Doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It never gives up. Never loses faith. Always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I've been told I could plug my name in there every time it says love, but it doesn't work for me. What is love? Like if you had to define it, what is it? I'm, we should know, right? I mean, it's a four-letter word, and, and we've, we've used it every day of our lives, and Surely we know what it is. I mean, how many Valentine's Day have you, how many Valentine's have you read in your life? I mean, what is it exactly? I'm telling you, the world doesn't know. The world does not know. And, and if, if they can't look at the church and see what love is, then, then the whole world is in trouble. Because the world doesn't know. You listen to music, and, and it sounds like love's a drug. What's, what's her name? Kesha? Didn't Kesha have a song that your, your love is my drug? Yeah, you know? It's like an addiction. That, that makes it sound like, you know, you can't control it. I mean, something that just, you know, takes over you. Lady Gaga is now singing, I want your stupid love. Like, what is that even about? I, I want your stupid love. I mean, Pop songs make it sound like something you fall into and fall out of. It's something like a drug that's addictive. It makes you high. Watermelon sugar, high. Harry Styles is singing. I mean, you understand? It makes you high like a drug. It, it, it makes you feel good. That's, that's what the world says. It's, 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 it's an addiction. I want a new drug, Huey Lewis used to sing. Yeah, one that makes me feel like I feel when I'm with you. Yeah, love's like a drug if, if you listen to the to the pop singers. If you listen to other people, it's, it's more like control or manipulation. When some people say love, what they mean is control. And, and some people don't really do love. They don't do relationships. They don't, they don't really take, you know, relationships. They, they take hostages. And, and some of you have been in those relationships with somebody who said they loved you, but, but that love wasn't any of these things. It was something else. I mean, this love that Jesus displays and that Paul talks about is a love that doesn't insist on its own way. But some of you have been trapped in relationships with somebody who always have, to have their own way. And if anything got in the way of their way, then you found out what their love was worth. I mean, some of you have been in this situation, and I'm telling you, love is not a feeling. I'm going to say that again in a minute, but let me say it now. Love is not a feeling, but when you are truly loved, you're going to feel safe, and you're going to feel treasured, and you're going to feel protected. You understand what I'm saying? 
Love's not a feeling, but when love is genuine, you feel safe. But in too many relationships, in too many places in the world, you got people that use the word love while carrying a ball bat to split your head open. I mean, you understand the world is very, very inverted when it comes to love. As a matter of fact, what the world calls love is almost the opposite of what Paul describes here in the Word of God. Notice when Paul describes love, there's not a single feeling word Not one. I mean, it's actually a pretty long chapter, and it's a beautiful poem, but it doesn't say a single word about how love makes you feel. Apparently, Paul never listened to the radio. Apparently, Paul had some very strong ideas about what love does, because it doesn't say a single word about how love feels. Do you understand? They're all action words. Every single descriptor here is an action word. He doesn't tell you how love feels. He tells you how love behaves. And so you and I who say that we have the love of Jesus burning in our souls, understand if what we speak is truth, then this love is going to change the way we behave. And the people around us will understand that we are different because we will be patient, kind, Never jealous, never rude, not even at Walmart. You with me? Not irritable, not even after being locked in for four months, not even when your mask is smothering you to death. I had Mexican food the other day, and then I had to wear a mask all afternoon. That salsa breath, which, I mean, I just, you know, that was the worst mask, you know? And, And then trying to be kind on top of that. You know, it's always kind, always rejoicing, never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. How many Christian marriages end in divorce? And the plain word of Scripture is love does not give up. So what is it? I mean, what, what is it? I, I, I would say this. Love is power. Love is power. Understand that. It's, it's power. Back in chapter 12, when Paul's talking about spiritual gifts, he doesn't use the word gift for love. He says, I want to show you the most excellent way. He calls it a way. The Greek word he uses there is the same word for road or path. It's the same word, incidentally, that Jesus uses when he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. It's it's that word. So Paul isn't just simply describing one more spiritual gift that some people got and some people don't got. No. This isn't just a gift to add to your other gifts. No. This is a way. This is, the same word would say, a journey. It's a journey. This is literally your way of being in the world. It's a way of life. It's not a gift. It's a way of life. It's a total way of being in the world. It's a journey. It's a path you choose to walk. Does it make sense? It's power. It's power. Every single word here is an action word. And every other place where the scripture talks about love, it talks about what love does. 
First John chapter four, one of the best love chapters says, beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God for God is love. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You understand? No one has ever seen God. But when God's love is working through us, you understand, then God's love is made perfect in us. I mean, 1 John chapter 4 says it all, and it talks about God and how he himself is love and what that love makes him to do for us. Gives, sins, saves. So understand, love is the power that moves us in everyday relationships to give without expecting something back. That's kind of my gospel definition because I see the gospel in that. This is what Jesus has done. Jesus in his grace, Jesus in his mercy, he gives his life. And this is love, the scripture says, that God loves us and sent his son to be the savior for our sins. You see that? He gives without expecting anything back. It's just a gift. It's grace. And this is what love does. It's a power that moves us, you and me, in everyday relationships. Like the people on your pew right now. Or like the people in line with you at Target or Myers, Or the person in the car in front of you that just, you know, Flash you a rude gesture. It's, it's the guy on the golf course, you know, that never really knows how to play. I mean, it's all the everyday relationships in your life. Love is power in those relationships to cause you to give without expecting anything back. You just give. You don't have to have anything back, and that's love. You don't have to have anything back, which means I don't keep score. Okay, I had y'all over for supper, so now it's time for y'all to have me over for supper. I mean, that's how we work, right? Yeah, you know. Now, I think last time we had y'all over for supper, so, you know, there won't be no supper for y'all because, you know, we're waiting for him. But, I mean, that's how we do. We, we keep score. In marriage, you keep score. Some of you right now in that season, that, that diaper season of life, like, you have a constant running tally. You know exactly how many diapers you changed this week and how many diapers he changed this week. And that score ain't looking too good for him. But I'm telling you, love doesn't keep score. Love doesn't keep a record, it says. In everyday relationships, love is power, and it makes you able to show kindness to people who aren't kind. It allows you not to be jealous when other people have things that, honestly, you would love to have, but you're never going to have, I mean. You can just rejoice that they have them. I mean, this is what love does. Love forgives, you all. It always forgives. It doesn't expect anything back, so it doesn't even, even require an apology. Well, I will forgive her when she says she's sorry. That's not how love behaves. You just go ahead and forgive in advance. That's what love does. It doesn't need something back. Doesn't just love people that, that, that love them. You don't just love your friends. I know you love your family, some of you. I mean, you love your family, your friends, nice people. Any, the devil can do that. I mean, we're talking about something different here. Everyday relationships to give without expecting something back. That, that, that's, that's what love, it, it, it's power. So understand this, because this is the good news. Because my, as I'm talking, I can watch some of you get lower and lower in your seat. 
because it begins to sound like such an impossible duty. Like, how? How can I possibly always forgive? And, and, and love endures all things, you know, but my goodness, you, you don't know my bonehead brother-in-law. I, I, mean, I mean, it just becomes so difficult when you're talking about everyday relationships. It just seems like this impossible duty that you'll never measure up to. And this is what I'm telling you, love is power. And because it's power, it makes you able to do what it requires you to do. So love itself is from God. And when you know God, you'll know love. But the further you are from God, the further you are from love. So if love is what you lack, the answer is not to seek love, it's to seek the Lord. You, you run to Jesus. He is the best example and the only source of the love that you need. And that love, and in that love, is power to make you able to do. So all of a sudden, it's not this impossible duty to forgive. Love from Jesus makes you able to forgive. It's a miracle. It's not in you to forgive. It's not in me either. For that matter, kindness is not in most of us. But because of the spirit of Jesus, that kindness starts to grow in me like fruit. Are you with me? Love is power. And love is power that makes you able to do exactly what it requires you to do. So yes, at this moment, I wish I could say Tim is patient and kind. Tim is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Tim does not demand his own way. Tim never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful. It doesn't work. When you put my name in there, I, I have a long way to go, and, and my hunch is so do you. Church at Corinth had a long way to go, and this is why Paul is trying to say to them that without... Love, they are a spiritual nothing. I'm sorry if that hurts your self-esteem. He's just talking to very, very proud people who thought because of their spiritual gifts, because of their wisdom, because of the electric worship services that they enjoyed, because of the amazing potlucks and the apparently, you know, very memorable Lord's suppers, that they thought that all this added up to something. They felt like a very important church. Paul says, um, you know, there's something you lack. And without it, you're nothing. Like, it doesn't matter what else you think you have. If your desire is to walk with Jesus and grow in Christ, without love, you are a spiritual nothing. Um, are you starting to feel a little heat? There are probably a lot of good things to say about you. But I'm afraid there's probably still one thing you lack. It's something that tonight I, I really wish that I could give you, but it doesn't come from me. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God, 
Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. You're starting to feel a little warm. Pray with me. You are a God of such kindness, mercy. You are a God of such forgiveness. You are an eternal God, such faithfulness. You are a God of such power. Oh God, the world needs to know you. The world needs your love, Lord. This world is on fire, and this world has no idea what love is or where love comes from. Lord, we have turned love into a word that can be worn on a t-shirt as you carry a bat through the street and batter people. This world is so profoundly broken and in need of the gospel and in need of the love of Jesus. And here we sit in our living rooms, in this church house, saying that we're so full of love And yet our lives just don't show that power. We're not all that kind. Lord, help us. We're not that forgiving. Lord, help us. We're quitters. We're irritable. We like our own way. We're proud. Lord, help us. Because if we who claim your name, Lord Jesus, if we who are your children, if we who are supposed to carry the gospel of love to the world, if we do not have that love, then, oh, Lord Jesus, the world is in horrible hopelessness. Lord Jesus, there are many, many things that we have going for us, but we've not yet mastered the way of love. So, Lord Jesus, Pour your love out into our hearts and then send us with fire to go and love the world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who died to save us and to show us what love does. In his name, amen.